This is the podcast at Clark's Room. It's my thoughts on education, technology, leadership, and life. If you like what you're hearing, please take a minute to like, subscribe, and share. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Thanks again for tuning into the podcast at Clark's Room. I am uh, over the moon excited, uh, if that is a phrase that people say in the 2000 and aughts, that my next guest is, is decided to join me. His name is Brent Coley. Brent, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you, man? I, I guess I'm over the moon. I don't actually know what that means or if it comes from... Um, where uh, nursery rhyme, I'm not even for sure, but that's what came out when I thought of you. I don't know if that's good or bad. I know, I know what you mean. I think it's a good thing uh, yeah. if, I, if I'm correct. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, can you just give us a, a short little snippet of who you are? Absolutely. Uh, I am a husband, a father of two, and uh, uh, currently I'm an educator in year 23. I spent my first 15 years of my career teaching fourth and fifth grade, uh, then jumped into administration, did two years as an assistant principal at um, uh, the middle school level, and I am now finishing up year six as the principal of Alta Murrieta Elementary in beautiful Murrieta, California, about 45 minutes north of beautiful San Diego, where I am from. And I'm also the author of the book, Stories of Edu-Influence, just trying to share stories to encourage and remind people, educators, the life-changing impact that they have. Amazing. I, uh, I'm a little sad because I just set you up to steal everything I did, my internet creeping on of you. Uh, that's all the information <laughs> I found when I internet stalked. I knew a lot about <laughs> you, but I still internet stalked because it's fun to do. That's right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, man. So Bryn and I, we know each other uh, primarily from Q events, correct? That's correct. I think the first time I actually met you was at Lead 3, and you were doing maybe a three-hour session on some Google stuff. Does that sound right? You did that, right? That that Yeah, I think two, two or three years ago, yeah. I did a, a three-hour workshop on... Uh, how administrators can utilize uh, Google, the apps of Google Drive to uh, str streamline their workflow and just uh, take it to the next level. I mean, I knew of you. I think we were actually Twitter followers before that, but I think that's the first time we we may have connected. And I believe that same lead, we ended up at Shabu Shabu together with a giant <laughs> cast of crazy. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing at this table with some of these heavy hitters. That's 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 how I was feeling. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, so, so, sooner or later, they're going to realize they're going to ask for my ID. Yeah. And uh, realize that I don't belong. I don't belong here. It's kind of like the what doesn't belong in this yeah. picture. I think if I remember correctly now, because the more I'm processing, you and I sat next to each other and just ate a whole bunch of meat and everybody else it, did crazy, cool, high level people stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm. Yes. It was my first time in a in a fancy. uh place like that and yes it was an uh, incredibly large bowl of of what was raw meat and then they yeah. boiled it up and it was good we didn't know that when you ordered a plate it was like half a cow or whatever it was it was a lot of meat. it yeah. was a lot yes but th that table that kind of actually what's funny um i tell that story to people all the time to show them the power of of building 
your PLN and that that phrase gets overused, at least I think it does. It's kind of cliche-ish, right? No, I, I agree. But at the same time, I it is an overused term, but I, I don't think that the that the value of that professional learning network, the the learning that can take place um, from something like that, I don't think that can be under or I don't think that can be overvalued. Is that am I saying that right? <laughs> Meaning like you said, you and I followed each other on Twitter. Uh, we were learning from each other there, but that led to face-to-face, a face-to-face meeting, which led to more face-to-face conversations. And a couple of years later, here we are doing a podcast yeah. together. And what's so. interesting about that night, which is funny, I actually use this story when I talk about building your PLN to, to my teachers. And, you know, sometimes we talk to whoever will listen, right? I was sitting outside the hotel because it was gorgeous out, just chilling, right? Like I hadn't decided what I was going to do for dinner. And Katina Haugen comes by, who... I had, I know Katina, I'm not, it's not like we're besties, but we had been in a couple pretty good conversations over the last year when we saw each other in, um, you know, cute functions. She's like, Hey, we're going to dinner with some people. Do you want to walk with me? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have any plans. All right, Katina. And then it ended up being like every heavy hitter that goes to any Q event in the world. And then a couple other people that tagged along. Right. And it was like, it was an amazing night of listening to people that are so intelligent and just being able to listen. Yeah, to be, I, I was I was the fly on the wall that evening, and yeah, just soaking soaking up, and uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun time. Yeah, and what's interesting that night there was you know Mike Lawrence and I think Carippo was there and Brian Briggs and Katina and Todd Schmidt and like all these. I mean, uh, there was way Ryan more O'Donnell. Yeah, uh-huh. but there was a guy from TCAL. I didn't even really know what TCAL was. And, at the time and just listening to him and how he talked from such a different perspective I would have never been around someone that talked from his perspective ever if it wasn't for that network that I built and um, I learned about something I never knew anything about and it was just fascinating yeah yeah and that's and that's the beauty of something like Twitter which which can lead you to follow and interact with folks that Again, you you never you never would more more than likely never have the opportunity to to meet and learn from. And so many people, I don't know if it's if it's true for you, but for me, so many of the people that I learn from on Twitter, I've never met, or mm-hmm. or I meet them uh, once a, or I see them once a year at a Q event, something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but the learning is is. 24 7 365 even though face-to-face interactions may be two and a half days at a weekend conference yeah and what's interesting is, is trying to explain that to to people that don't go or or you know outside education you know when i first got into q um i just kind of went on a whim to a q event and and i told my wife i came back and i said hey i i found my people like i feel yeah. weird at my school site I feel normal with these people. When you find that group, you know, because everyone says, why would you spend your own money to go and like, there's a reason for it. And there's never a question, at least for my, my spouse, she's amazing of like, no, go, you need to go because that's not typical, right? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm blessed uh, to have my wife is the same way. She, she understands. I mean, she married a teacher, so she knew that there those times (laughs) of year where, report card i mean she didn't marry me for the money i know that and and she she knew early on that there's report card season and parent conference season and and then 
conference season, like March, which is Q time, and mm-hmm. and she's always. I've been. I'm. I'm so thankful for her, and and that she is. She's never. Oh, why are we spending the money? She's always knows that that's that's how I grow professionally, yeah. but it's also in terms of meeting meeting new people and being able to network and and learn from people that I wouldn't have the opportunity to do so otherwise. You have had a podcast for quite a while. It, it's pretty awesome. I, I listen to it from time to time or or when they come out. You know, if I had to guess, because we haven't talked about this, I would say, did the book come from, was that a genesis from your podcast? Or was that something that was always in the back of your mind, even before the podcast or while that was starting? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Um, n- no. But yes, but no. I mean, <laughs> whereas mm-hmm. I think I started the podcast in January a couple years ago, um, just to, yeah, I started in January, I think two years ago. Um, whereas stories, I never, I never intended, I mean, I never really was thinking, I'm going to write, I'm going to write an educational book. I mean, writing a book was actually a bucket list thing for me, but it was, but I always thought it would be fiction. If yeah. I ever wrote a book, it, it would have been, it would have been fiction, but I got the idea at Q. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Dennis Grice, do you know Dennis? I, I've heard the name, but I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. He's, he's out in, uh, he's now in, he's, teaching over in Asia, I think Shanghai, if I remember correctly. Um, but he's from Orange County. And I remember having a hallway conversation with him on one of the last days of Q thinking, gosh, it would be neat to, to come up with a session where I share stories from my experience because we all have them. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard it said, I know I've heard it said, people say, oh, you, you should write a book with all the stories, or I bet you have a lot of stories. And it's like, yeah, I do, but more important than the stories. I mean, stories are great. Everyone loves stories, but this is, that's how we learn things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The power of storytelling, it helps us remember things that helps us, it it, it elicits emotions uh, that, that again, help us remember things. And there's brain research that supports that. Not that I was thinking about the research at the time, Yeah. but I I, I just remember thinking that would just be cool to, to share the stories and the lessons that I've learned from those. So that was, that was probably like six, six years ago, I want to say six or seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, okay. I remember I made a couple videos where I just recorded myself telling a couple of those stories, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. And then the podcast a few years ago was, Hey, let's, uh, let's share some of these stories because I think this is a, a better way to, kind of spread that message of, hey, here's a story that I have and the lesson I learned. Let's bring guests on, have him or her share his or her story and the lessons that they've learned and in, in the hopes of inspiring uh, inspiring people. And really the book came out of a couple of years ago, I had, uh, I was asked to have the opportunity to, to give a keynote address at, at a, a conference in Michigan. And my topic was stories, was, hey, here's my chance to tell stories and the lessons that I've learned from them. And I came up with the term edu-influence, basically, which is, it's that influence that we have as educators. And Mm -hmm. I break it down into different powers. There's the power of 
uh, relationships, the power of belief, the power of apology, the power of fun, the power of the little things. Uh, and then I just tell stories to illustrate each of those powers and to, to again, to encourage and remind whether you're a teacher, mm -hmm. uh, an administrator, cafeteria worker, playground aide, regardless of your role with kids, if you work with kids, you have these powers, even when you don't realize it. So uh, I gave that keynote address and I got an opportunity to, to kind of give the same talk or a variation of the talk a few months later at QLA. And I remember meeting somebody afterwards who would mention that some of the stories really resonated and it hit me right there like, wait a second. If I'm able to reach people speaking at a, at a, a couple of small conferences here, what if I wrote this down? Yeah, published it and put it out there. So literally about two weeks after that, actually about a week and a half after that second uh, conference keynote, I started writing. And that's awesome. It about, yeah, it took me about 10 months and the rest is now it's on Amazon, which is just surreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got your face on a book now. It's 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 weird. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the moneymaker, that's why your wife married you, though. That face, and, right? And not not the money, the face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that either. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so I, I have a question I, I love uh, to ask. Um, I think it's one that I've asked in almost every podcast when I've had a guest is, um, if you were given, you know, a magic wand or you were made grand czar of education, what's, what's one big thing that you would say, I'm changing this, I'm improving this. Gosh, that, that is, I mean, uh, that is such a great question. Cause there's so many, there's so many things that come to mind. You've got, you've got your equity, I mean, equity, just in terms of, uh, equity. I mean, you can, you can just stop right yeah. there and I mean, equity encompasses so many different things. Um, there's equity and funding. I mean, I know you and I, as, as, as administrators, it's like uh, when we look at budgets and sometimes there's there's so many things that we'd like to do, um, but we're held back mm -hmm. by uh, lack of funding. Uh, and I think there's, there's an inequity sometimes with, depending on which school you're at or which district you're at, mm -hmm. um, others have a much larger piece of the pie uh, than others. And I think sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult when there's so many great things that you'd love to do. If, if, if we could, if we could get a, a couple extra people to really help with intervention here. I really think we could fill in those gaps with those kids, but we don't have the money to do that right now. Yeah. So it's like piecemealing stuff to, I mean, do I think that's the biggest thing? I, I, I don't, I mean, is funding the biggest problem in education? No, it's not. But, um, as somebody who was sitting down today looking over the budget, it's something that's <laughs> fresh that it's, it's fresh in the mind. And I don't, yeah. I'm not naive enough to think that money solves all problems. Cause it certainly doesn't. Yeah. Um, I, 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 what's interesting is, um, equity is far and away the number one word that comes up when I ask that question, no matter who I'm asking, yeah. you know, some people have said some other stuff, you know, relationships or diversity or, or, but, but equity is the word that comes up most frequently, you know, equity means a lot of things. Well, exactly. And, and I, I know just real quickly to touch, to kind of 
go off of that. I mean, things like um, student projects is is a conversation that we're having at our site right now with our teachers. Mm-hmm. And in terms of um, the equity aspect of student projects, where you think of your traditional fourth grade, build a mission. Second grade, uh, make a diorama to show the the ecosystem that your animal lives in, something like that. that that's a very traditional um, project that if we stop and we think about it, the question that, w- that we've been having our, our teachers ask themselves is like, is that an equitable assignment? Meaning, <laughs> does everybody have the same resources to do something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Where it's like some parents, are there to help out their kiddos. Some kids don't have their parents there. They're working second, third shift and they can't go down to Michael's and they can't um, they can't buy the mission kit to put together. They can't, they don't even have a, a, a shoe box for a diorama yeah. or they don't have a hot glue gun. And if they did, the parent's not there to, to help the kiddo out doing it. So. I just think there's there's something there's something to be said, and now with the the access to technology that so many of our schools have, there's better ways to have students demonstrate their learning uh, than some of our traditional. And I'm not I mean again I I'm not saying throw everything traditional out 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 the window because I I don't agree with that that mindset at all. I, I Weston Kieschnick I don't know are you familiar with Weston Kieschnick's work? Yes yes. His, his book, Old School, where blended learning combined with old school. And I, I love his message of uh, you don't have to get rid of the old. <laughs> if, if, if a tried and true method works, fantastic. Let's capitalize that. And how can we use mm-hmm. technology to make your old school strategies better? And I think that's what I think we really need to work on because, number one, they're more engaging. Kids are going to like them more. But number two, they're more equitable. If we have students work on something like that in class, again, I'm at the elementary school level, you take that equity component, you take that variable out of the equation. And now, not to mention the fact that parents will rejoice because they're not having to do these projects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I will say the school my daughters go to, no project comes home and the school, I'm at a middle school we uh projects are done in class because we don't need to grade the parents work (laughs) they've already been in school but 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 see that what that's like that's music to my ears because Mm -hmm. you get it that those your teachers they're they're getting it that because you hit it on the head the the parents we we all know that the parents are doing a lot of this work and what's what's the point there they're like you said they're not the ones in the class Mm -hmm. so so uh, I, I, I don't ask this of many guests, but since I know you do a podcast, um, I, you know, I don't get to talk to you very often. How do you uh, how do you do your podcast? What's your process? And then what kind of what kind of cool toys do you use? Oh, good question. Uh, well, I because each guest, I mean, I've done a couple of them solo, but pretty much each each time we do it, I have a different guest on. And with only a handful of exceptions, I'm never with the person that I'm doing mm-hmm. it with. It's always remotely. I use Google Hangouts, uh, kind of a YouTube live Google Hangouts yep, uh, yep. and and then record it. And as soon as we're done, I make that video private because it's really I don't promote it because it's it's more of a conversation off off. Not that 
we don't want, not that we don't want people, but it's a conversation. Then I strip the audio from that uh, and I drop it into, I use Camtasia, which is a... Yep, screencasting, but it's done some other stuff now. Yeah, it's 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 very easy to use. I drop the audio in there, and then I can just throw in uh, some intro music, some outro music, and that's it. I mean, same thing could be done in GarageBand. It could be done in it could be done in Windows Media Player. I mean, it's really not that complicated um, because I I don't have it's not a whole lot of editing that is necessary. Yeah, um, and then I. I upload it to, uh, for anyone, to Libsyn, <laughs> L-I-B-S-Y-N, which is my podcast host. It's a it's a fairly inexpensive uh, host for the podcast and does all the does all the technical gobbledygook behind the scenes that makes you able to get it in iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and and all that good stuff just with yeah, a couple yeah. of clicks of clicks of the mouse. Yeah, it, it, podcasting is not not rocket science, um, but it's still a lot of fun, right? It, it's it's not, uh, not anymore. It, yeah. it it was when I used to podcast with my students. It was a lot more um, back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It was it was a lot more to get it online was a lot harder. <laughs> and now you've got apps on your longer, phone, right? Oh yeah, now you've got Anchor. It, yeah, because I I uh, you know I taught audio production at the high school level in 2003-4 the bandwidth it would take to do live audio online just didn't exist um and now no. it's like you know you can do video online it, it's really impressive yeah um so it's it's awesome before we end uh if people want to find you online find your book find um you know your social security number anything like that uh, how do they, how do they find all your information I'm going to give you most of that. Okay, just chat. Uh, I tried. I, I was trying. You tried. Nice try. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm as we said at the top of the show. I, I'm big on Twitter. Well, once I'm big on Twitter, I love Twitter. You're kind uh, of a big deal. I, I'm at, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it didn't come off the way I wanted it to come off. Oh. Now I'm at Brent Coley. B R E N T C O L E Y. One word. Um, uh, that's that's the that's the big place to find me uh yep. brentcoley.com i've got a blog on there the podcast is called teaching tales again every episode has a different guest and we just it's not so much an interview it's it's a lot like what we're doing here where it's just more conversation that mm-hmm. centers around a particular theme it might be relationships one time where we the guests and i share stories about relationships so again, that's at brentcoley.com. It's also in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. You could just search for Teaching Tales. Um, and my book is on Amazon. It, again, it's called Stories of Edu Influence, one word, E-D-U, Influence, one word. If you just search Edu Influence on Amazon, uh, it's there uh, in paperback and Kindle version. And I'm excited. We're, we're, uh, the plan is to get it in Audible format as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that going to be you reading that? It's going to be me reading it. Yeah. That's, which I'm, which I'm, which I'm, I'm excited about. Cause again, the, the premise of the book is it, it's all stories. Yeah. So it lends itself, I think more to an audible format. And mm-hmm. I know the way I wrote it, the way I want it to sound. So getting to read that will be cool. And for anyone listening, if you want a taste of that, my, my latest episode, I think it's episode 63 of Teaching Tales, uh, I actually read chapter two from from the book, uh, The Power of Relationships. So that's kind of a little preview 
of 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 what the book is like what look at that about. teasing like a professional how, right there how about that yeah. <laughs> well well thanks so much Bryn. I, I thank you for the time and um you know just all you're putting out there to help build build educators oh joe thank you for for what you do and as i said uh, i look forward to uh seeing you next time we're at q q together um because yeah it's a privilege my friend it's fun thanks man Yep. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast at Clark's Room. I do appreciate you spending a few minutes of your day with me. If you like what you hear, don't forget to share, subscribe, and like through your favorite podcast provider. If you want to find more information about Clark's Room, you can go to clarksroom.com, find me on Twitter at Clark's Room, or visit the new Patreon site, patreon.com slash Clark's Room.